Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. This podcast was recorded during the holidays and was intended to be holiday safety tips, but became so much more than just holiday safety. We get into many safety tips that are good every day of the year. We hope you pick up something to make your life safer and your home a safer place for you and your family. Hello again, listeners, and welcome to the podcast. We were talking about some safety tips during this holiday season, but we got to thinking that safety tips are good all year. And we're here with our friends, and I'm going to let Mark introduce them in just a moment. And we're all having a really nice chat about safety tips, ways to keep individual safety, safety for your home, your family, your vehicle, your workplace, anywhere you find yourself, you're going to want to have a sense of safety about you. So, Mark, why don't you kick it off and introduce our friends today? We have Richard and MJ Jones back with us today, and it's a pleasure to have them back in the studio with us. And one of the things that we're talking about is that thieves thrive on opportunity. And the more we can do to reduce their opportunity, the safer we are. So we're going to talk about two areas. We're going to start out talking about safety at home, some things that you can do. We're going to start out with safety away from home and some of the things that we can do and need to be aware of when we're out shopping, out doing different things. And a lot of you ladies like to shop and go out. And if at all possible, you need to go with more than one person. Don't go alone. There is safety in numbers. Well, I understand that. And our friends Richard and Emily here, they're both in law enforcement, so they they're a married couple, two husband and wife, and so they've got a unique perspective on safety as well. I mean, they're just like anyone else that wants to stay safe, but they're also in the type of industry where they understand that there are some bad guys out there and some bad folks out there that want to take advantage of an opportunity, and they're watching you and just need to have some awareness. So maybe we can get them to maybe uh, weigh in on this topic about when you're away from home and you're out in the public some of the things that they do personally and some of the things they could recommend to us as citizens that will help keep us safe. So, Richard, why don't we start with you? Okay, well, I'll just talk about for a second one thing you touched on a second ago, bad guys being out there. The first step of this, I think, is actually knowing that there are bad guys out there. There are people who who prey upon the the misfortune of others. Uh, we, we see it all the time, but a lot of people don't. Uh, that's not the world they live in. It's not their normal Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. They don't see things like this. So everybody sees things you know, on the news, but if it's not impacting your life directly, you, you pass it on down the line, move on to whatever's next. But just realize that that there are people out there that that are looking to prey upon people that they think they can prey upon. Picking out people that they perceive some type of weakness. Right. Whether that person's actually weak or not, somebody that's just not paying attention is viewed as a weakness by somebody that's looking for a target of opportunity. Someone by themselves, not paying attention. Uh, you know, how, how often do we see people never take their eyes away from their cell phone, no matter what they're doing, driving, walking, shopping, mm-hmm. whatever. They, the they don't take their eyes away from their phone. So you know that they're not paying attention to their surroundings. Right. Mm-hmm. And bad guys are looking for people not paying attention. I'm seeing that every day. I was just commenting before that I drove down the road and I watched uh, two people. One was taking a walk 
with a dog and the other was not with them, but they were in another neighborhood and they were doing like a morning jog. And both of these individuals had their nose six inches away from their phone and they were completely paying attention to their phone and nothing else. And that alarmed me. It just dawned on me that these people are completely have no awareness of the traffic that's around them, the people that may be around them, the corners they may be turning because they have their uh, all of their attention 100% is with that nose and that phone. I just feel like people need to regard their safety much more importantly than they're doing. And we see it too, people walking through malls, walking down streets, in their cars. I've seen people in their cars, you know, with their face in a phone. And uh, we just can't stress it enough. There's nothing on that telephone that's more important than your life and your safety and the safety of the people around you. And how many times do we go to a wreck and we know that it was because they were not paying attention to the driving, they were paying attention to the telephone? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They won't tell you that. Yeah. Well, if you if you have a strip of roadway and it's it's broad daylight, a nice sunny day, and it's a flat roadway, and you can see for three miles in each direction, and you wreck right there, either you had <laughs> yeah. you had a terrible equipment malfunction of some sort, or you weren't paying attention. Right. That's exactly right. Okay. So also being uh, away from home, just some things we know that it's not going to always happen a hundred percent of the time, but if it's possible to shop in the daytime. Daytime can be your friend sometimes because darkness can be the time when some of those bad guys can use darkness to move in on you and you not know it. And early morning's better than late afternoon because the bad guys are still asleep. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Bad guys typically don't get up before 8 (laughs) o'clock. If you do have to do any uh, driving or shopping or parking in the after dark time period, do find the best lighted area and the closest to the entrance that you can possibly find. I mean, just really think that that would be the safest route that you need to take. What about parking decks? Well, there's a lot of schools of thought on parking decks. There's people that ha- that work in offices that have buildings that have parking decks. and It's kind of a way of life, especially in the urban setting. But parking decks can be a bit of a, a mixed bag. There's a lot of places to hide. Uh, you know, Richard and Emily and I were just talking about that as well. And in fact, uh, in fact, Emily, I think I might throw it to you. Tell us in terms of from a law enforcement perspective and also from someone who's had to navigate through there, the parking deck safety situation as you see it. I'm not a fan of parking decks at all. So even from a driving standpoint, I don't think they're that safe. But also from the bad guy standpoint, there's lots of places to hide. There's... In all the corners, there's dark spaces. There's places, even if they do have cameras, there's going to be spots that don't have coverage. Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, being a female, working in law enforcement, seeing what happens out there. Generally, whenever I have to park in one, I usually go straight to the top. Generally, there's more parking space because no one wants to go. Everybody's looking for the spots, you know, closer to the bottom. I like going to the top. It's open. You can see more. And generally, not as many cars packed in together but enough to be safe okay that's a good perspective all right okay and for those of you that might be listening we've got a cat in our studio you've you've heard of it mark and i've referred to our cats before they are just uh really enjoying our guests so if you hear cat claws going up and down chairs that's uh, our cat Okay, Mark, let me throw it to you. General safety rules. Uh, You had written something here about your own personal appearance and how you dress 
how you appear. Kind of go into when, some detail on that. When you're going out shopping, the girls got tickled at this saying a while ago, but leave your wealth at home. <laughs> and what do you mean by that, leave your wealth at home? What do you mean? This is not the time to be wearing your Mr. T starter set with your flashy jewelry. <laughs> It's it's not time to be wearing a thousand dollar suit. It's not the time to drive your Lamborghini to go shopping. Bad guys notice this kind of stuff. I mean, if if you drive a Lamborghini and you get out with a thousand dollar suit and a five thousand dollar Rolex on, you probably got some money or something that they're going to try to take away from you or want to take away from you. So, this is the time to be the gray man. Absolutely, blend in and be average. Look like everybody else. Which, talking about bad guys, one thing I've come across in my line of work is a lot of the quote-unquote bad guys think that it's okay to take from someone who has enough because they're not going to miss it anyways. So if you're showing off your wealth, a lot of times they have the mindset, well, you've got enough money, you don't need that, you can get another one and they'll take it from you. Or insurance will cover it. Yeah. I've I've actually talked to several offenders that I've arrested, and that's what they've actually told me, that reasoning behind it, is you have two cars. I have no cars. I want to take one of yours. So I mean, We're if, not going to get political here with that, like take one away and give it to somebody else. But, but they think, you know, you can, <laughs> you can get another one or you don't need it that much. So. Well, I, I, I think I have this one down most of the time, probably to your disgust, uh, if we're going to, you know, go out somewhere or if I'm doing something like that on my own, I'm very much, I, I live by that pretty much all, all the time. You know, I don't, don't put on my, don't, don't put on the nice threads and dress to the nine, you know, unless you're going to a funeral or you're going to the church house. But I've actually, uh, you know, seen a couple of, you know, rookie, rookie police officers eyeing me up and down like they wanted to, uh, Come ask me a few questions before, you know, with, you know, what, what I'm driving or what I may be wearing. Uh, trust me, they're not going to want to try to try to take anything from me because uh, what they have is probably better than what I appear to have. <laughs> Richard and I both are probably more comfortable in a T-shirt or a flannel shirt and blue jeans than anything else. Oh, yes. I have I have my hobo gear that I, that I sport quite often. Well, it's probably uh, unscientific, but my, my guess is that no no bad guys ever tried to rob you when you're wearing your hobo gear. No, no, yeah, they, they, they haven't. You, you know, that one time that the hobo came up and offered you the dollar? Yeah, you know, I've had, I've had a couple I'll of them. I'll say you've had a few solicitations yeah, there. They, <laughs> they, they've tried to give, give me a, a, a bottle of water and uh, throw some change my way. <laughs> Well, I think you may have just discovered the way to foil crime <laughs> that way. But, but it, and we we joke, but we're we are saying very seriously. If, if someone can afford the Lamborghini and the thousand dollar suit and the five thousand dollar Rolex, they still should feel safe. No one deserves to be a victim of a crime. No one should deserve it, and no no offender should try to justify it right. by robbing someone that does apparently have these things because that's that does not justify I mean a crime is a crime and period stealing is stealing and it doesn't make any difference what your reasons are and so don't give somebody a reason to assault you or to bring harm to your family or your children or or anything like that because they feel like you can afford to make the loss or have the loss 
response. Just kind of re- realize that. And be very, very careful, too, about what you post on Facebook in terms of your personal jewelry and your car and where you live. Because And where you're you know, going and, and where how you're going. long we're going to be going. Right. right. That, we can talk about that. That's a safety factor. Is Wait till you come back from Disney, Disney right. World to post that right. you've been Especially at Disney World. Especially holiday right. time. So many folks want to, they're, they're posting pictures from the airport, from the inside of the plane. We've just landed. And you've basically given the world a timeline on your absence. And if you're going to be gone for a couple of weeks, there's been several folks that have come home from their holiday trip and they found the door wide open and everything gone. Mm-hmm. And how did they know? Well, because it's all over Facebook. And I do have some very smart friends who travel internationally, and I never know when they're gone because they only post their pictures when they're back inside their house because they're very safety-minded and very safety-conscious. Well, if you post that you are enjoying Disney World, then we know that we've got at least 18 hours to be able to break into your house and steal your stuff. Mm-hmm. He's speaking like he was a bad guy, and he's not a bad guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's talk about uh, parking lots and entering and exiting the vehicles. Let's talk about that. Marky start. Well, one thing, don't leave your packages and valuables in plain view. Especially with Christmas shopping going on right now. Right. Uh, any time of the year. Don't leave the anything that's obvious. Don't leave the TV box showing in the back of the car. These thugs, they'll, they'll, it's not as easy. You know, it's, it's tougher on the bad guys today trying to carry a 64-inch TV than it was a 24-inch. Mm-hmm. But they've got it a lot better today in that the flat screens are a whole lot lighter than a 25-inch oh, yes. CRT. Yeah, <laughs> That's true. And as tempting as it is, ladies, if you're going to be in the drugstore or the gas station where for five minutes and you think, well, I'm just going to leave my cell phone, my purse in my car, you're going to come back and you may have a broken window and no purse and no cell phone. And Why? don't leave because the vehicle you left it running. No, don't, don't leave don't the leave vehicle running. running. How, how and don't many leave times? the baby in the vehicle either. Well, <laughs> putting those together, I mean, how many times have we seen the headlines where there was a car stolen and it had the baby in it? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And enough. it was probably left running. Yeah. But that, most likely. You pull up, that they, and, you know, they have the most innocent intentions. They're going to, they're running late to work. We're going to pull up to the gas station we stop at every single morning for our cup of coffee and, you know, biscuit or donut or whatever you get. And, you just you leave it running. You go there every single day. It's your it's in your comfort bubble. You feel uh-huh. safe and secure there. You and the and the clerk are on a first name basis. You leave it running, unlocked, running there for thirty seconds. You come back out, your car's gone. Uh-huh. I mean, the the shift that I work and, and you remember that it's a couple times, two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. Whether whether it be in the city or in the unincorporated parts of the county, right. it, it doesn't matter. If you leave it running with the doors open, you might as well have a sign on it that says it's free. Thuggery knows no boundaries. Right. City limits, counties, states, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Which brings us to a point here when you're pulling up and you're getting ready to park and you park your vehicle, look around before you exit that vehicle. I've actually got something to add to that. Many years ago, I worked night shift, I was a civilian employee with a local law enforcement agency, and I um, was going to go to the local Walmart that was open 24 hours on my lunch break, and I pulled in, and one thing that I cannot stress, especially for women out by themselves late at night, if you get that weird gut feeling that something's not right, go with it, and because that night I pulled up, and 
something didn't feel right. And I watched a car pull up and I sat in my car for a minute before I didn't just pull up and get out. I sat there for a minute to see what they were doing. A bunch of guys jumped out of the car, took off. They were running around trying doors. And one of them showed up at my door and was trying my door and I still had it locked. He wasn't expecting me working for local law enforcement that what my reaction was going to be. It was not what he thought it was going to be. And he left quickly. And then they called the locals, the city police came. But when I pulled up, I, you know, I just had that something wasn't right. Like the atmosphere wasn't right. And that's when I saw that car pull up. And then, so I mean, always go with it and watch your surroundings. If a car pulls up, see what they're doing before you just pull up and hop out and run in. That sounds like you probably uh, presented him with your concealed carry permit. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. 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 Or some yeah. form there. Or yes. some form there. He, he was yeah. not expecting. He saw a, I was what my early 20s. He saw a young female pull up by herself mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. It's not the greatest known area. And I mean, opportunity he thought presented mm-hmm. as a victim. And it was a sad day for him, but. You're one <laughs> of us that refuses to be a victim. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And actually, right. after. I sat there for a minute after they ran off and the other, you know, the city police came. I sat there for a minute. I debated going home and I'm like, I'm not going to go home. I was like, I need milk for my kid. And so I puffed up my chest and stood up straight and went in there and got milk. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to go home after that. And that goes back to the most, most important thing with, with any of this is, is the right mindset. And, and Mark, you, you said it, refuse to be a victim. Right. I, I, I refuse to. Sure. Th- things may happen that are out of my control. But mm-hmm. I refuse to present myself as uh, as as, the, as that weak target there, as that slowest gazelle on the right. Serengeti. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I refuse to be or that. the the inattentive gazelle yes. that has no idea what's going on, and then boom, there you go. I mean, crime happens that fast in an instant. Yeah. And let let me add this to that: if you're in a parking lot. And y'all can throw your two cents in on this as well. If you're in a parking lot and someone does manage to get you, don't let them put you in a vehicle. No. In a trunk, in the back seat, in the car. If they drive off with you in that car, you're probably going to be found on some deserted road at some point. Mm -hmm. If they're going to shoot you, make them shoot you in the parking lot of the big box store where someone will eventually notice you and call 911. Right. Now, we're all, everybody in this room is an advocate of having that concealed carry permit and being able to present that, which means that it needs to be very close. And I think if it's off body, it's too far away. It needs to be on you, not in your purse. That's not the time to be trying to dig in your purse, trying to get a firearm or knife or some other other form of self-protection out it needs to be where you can reach it at any particular point in time so avoid that but avoid parking next to a van with a sliding door mm-hmm. yes. kidnap vans i call them yep mm-hmm. now 999 times out of 100 it may not be a problem but don't go especially ladies don't go to get into your car if parked immediately next to you is a van with a sliding door, unless you can get around in front of that vehicle, see inside it, and know that there's nobody in there to grab you, because it only takes a second. That's it. Just a second. And I'll say this. 
have your car keys ready before you get to the vehicle. Don't get up to the vehicle and start digging around for right. it. Right. Back when people used keys, you know, now everything's, you know, the you know, the little the little fobs that are that get lost because you don't know where they are. It's just somewhere close enough to unlock it. And when people would ask me, especially females who were curious who, who didn't want to be victims, what all can I do? Well, the first thing I'm going to tell them is uh, have a firearm, as, mm-hmm. as, as we are all proponents of that, uh, le- legally own. A- now, we do have an international audience. Right. And not every country are people. do people have the freedoms that we have. Right. Nor do they have in every city or in every state right. that we have folks listening to this podcast. Which, which is why I always tell people, you know, legally care, abide by the laws as, you know, 99% of us are. We are, we are the law-abiding citizens. Have, have whatever means of protection you can legally have. If it is nothing but a, a ring of janitor's keys slipped over a finger... You hit somebody with that, mm-hmm. it's going to hurt. It may give you that fraction of a second to, what's what's one thing you can do to get attention? You can scream like someone's killing you. Right. And people are going to look to see what's going on. If all it does is buy you the second to do that, that is something. That is you refusing to be a victim. You're fighting back. You're protecting yourself, your family. And it's it's one of those things you can do. Do whatever you can. Even a dollar's worth of pennies in a sock. Oh, yeah. I think the biggest thing is... Not be scared, but be prepared. Be, I mean, all not paranoid, but think, what would I do in this situation? Have a plan, because if you have it, if you have it set in your mind, you've played it out in your head, when it happens and you, you know, it's happened too fast before you think, you've had it programmed in your mind. Your body will do what you've prepared it to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is just prepare for it. Something and- else, I, I didn't mean to jump in and couple of things uh, mark you touched on it i think or richard touched on it was make some noise because sometimes a, a bad guy will say don't make a sound don't scream don't open your mouth well since when do you need to take orders from a bad guy so especially if you're in a parking lot i say risk it and i will tell you that some experienced law enforcement officers prior many many decades ago told me rather than scream help 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 call out these words call 911 if you scream out the words, call 911, that gets attention. Sometimes saying help, help doesn't really get the same amount of attention. But if you were screaming with all of your might, call 911, people who hear that are going to want to know why. And they usually run to it thinking it's a medical emergency. Or thinking it's something they can video and post on Facebook. Exactly. Anyway, what you're doing is you're calling attention to a situation and it's the attention that the bad guy does not want so they're going to drop you and run and you may have to risk being injured you may get hurt but you may not be dead and you may be able to return to your family and be a victor and not a victim another one that i heard one time i had a partner and i actually were talking about this at one time but fake a heart attack if i fake a heart attack and collapse some guys not Really going to want to try to drag this 200 pounds, you know, away from the scene. So, uh, well, that has saved lives. There's, there's been many of folks that have said that's what got me out of the situation. It has. Mm-hmm. All right. What about some things that we can do at home? Well, here we are at the holiday time, and I know that a lot of folks are going to be opening some big, expensive, beautiful gifts that come in big, brightly colored, highly lettered boxes like 65-inch television or Peloton or PlayStations. And what do they do with these boxes? They stack them up on the road for the garbage Mm -hmm. man to come pick up. Well, guess what that guy Who sees them? 
bad guys go up and down the road and uh, they see your boxes and they figure out what house they belong to. They are going to ride around before the garbage man comes. They surely will. They surely will. They surely will. And many bad guys have actually admitted later on when they've gotten caught and they're doing time, they'll they'll tell their their lawyer, their buddy, or their brother, well, you know, I stu- I broke into their house because of the big stack of trash they had on the road. So what do we need to do with our trash then, Mark? Well, here we cut it up and burn it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a bonfire. We can so, have a bonfire. Yeah, we, we, can, we have a little fire pit that we burn it in pieces at a time. But you can cut it up if it's cardboard, which most of the boxes are. You can cut it up into smaller pieces, put it into the paper recycling bin. Mm-hmm. If it's going into the trash, cut it up into smaller pieces and put it in a black trash bag. Right. Just make mm-hmm. it look like another bag of trash. Yeah, absolutely. That that, that helps out, you know, with us in a couple of ways. One, you know, we're not advertising to people, you know, that that we had a good holiday season. But, you know, hey, I've I've got a bunch of stuff I have to throw away. And it's a week now until the garbage truck comes back through. So I've got to package this as economically as I can because I have to make room. So, uh, so yeah, cutting it into the pieces, packing it down into the garbage bags, into the garbage cans. What I like in our area is in the next town over – they have the recycling dumpsters. Yes. So mm-hmm. we will we will cut it down to where it'll you know where it'll fit in the vehicle and just take them down there, mm-hmm. put them in the dumpster. Takes you know takes us all of ten minutes and then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if that keeps you from having your home broken into, right? It's time well spent. Or yeah, or, I'll, or we'll stick them in the garage and they'll still be there the the following Christmas and maybe, <laughs> maybe you know, wrap use them to wrap some other gifts in or something. There you go. <laughs> uh, which is it brings me to the next point here is uh, don't feed the porch pirates. Right. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about packing things. The best idea I've seen is folks packing up cat litter and putting it on the front porch. For <laughs> using the Amazon steal. box. Yeah. Using the Amazon it, box yeah. with the cat litter. But that is something. There's some things that we can do now. We have a sign on our front door that says put all delivered packages on the carport. There's a door on the carport, so they set it on the steps there. It has it out of view of people driving by, but it also our front door, we have to be paying pretty good attention to even hear the doorbell ring for it. Uh, it's a room we don't use a lot right now. It's Santa's workshop. It has, you know, gift wrapping stuff in it and all kinds of stuff. So have it delivered to another area of the house. You can actually call UPS or FedEx, and you don't do this through Amazon. Do it through the delivery company. You can ask them to deliver it to your back door. Mm -hmm. If you make your back door accessible through a gate or some other, if you want it delivered to your back patio, you call those delivery companies and you make those arrangements, and they're supposed to be good to that, and there are people that do that so that your packages are never seen by anybody. One thing that we used at one time, we had a, a wooden box out on the front porch. That was a a country-type front porch that went across the front of the house. And this was mainly to protect them from weather because of the types of items that we were having delivered. But we had a wooden box there with a lid to lift up, and the UPS and the FedEx guys knew to put it inside the box. And we just checked the box each day when we came in. And that's another thing with our front porch I guess we've had packages on the front porch for a couple of days before we noticed it. Right. 
Because we just don't. We, we don't go we check it every day. We don't notice it. Well, this time of year, remember your delivery people, because if 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 you're anything like us, you know it. Every day, multiple boxes every yes. day. You almost become on a first name basis. So, uh, yeah, yeah, get them a tin of sugar cookies or something. But like you were saying with the box, I've known some people who would have essentially a like a lock box mm-hmm. on the on the front porch where and it, and it was secured has you know a hasp on it and they would leave an, an unlocked padlock there and uh, either contacting them or, or, or leaving a note leave the package in here and and lock it you know back when i was in college i did a little bit of delivery stuff myself down in uh, some very rural areas of of alabama and i uh i would see that stuff type stuff all the time sure it doesn't you know takes an extra two seconds hey put it in there Put the lock on it. Lock it. That's a very smart idea. I hadn't actually never heard of that. So that's, I'm going to keep remembering that. I still like the cat litter in the Amazon box. <laughs> oh, I do too. I do too. How about making our house less attractive for burglars and attackers? Somebody that might be hiding for when you come home. Well, yeah, let me flip that. What makes a home attractive to a burglar? law enforcement professionals speak on that. What about a house or its surroundings would make a burglar think that's a good hit? Subdivisions. And Mm. it's something that I've taken notice to over the past, over the past decade. You have a, if you think about it, you have a target rich environment. You have houses that are 15, 20, 25, 30 feet apart. And there's 300 of them in, in this square mile here all on the same street that just goes in a big circle. Mm-hmm. So so you have this target-rich environment. You can go through there, and if if this one turns up empty, you walk over to the next one. Mm-hmm. And in a two-, three-hour time frame, you can have either, and most of the time this is with vehicles because, you know, people will leave them unlocked. But, you know, when people start getting up in the morning, you may have 35, 40 vehicle burglary victims that live on the same street. Right. That they just, they went house to house to house. So I'll say, I'll say that living, living in a subdivision or anywhere where there's a target rich environment, a lot of houses close together, apartment buildings, complexes where, you know, you can look down a hallway and, and see every door if there are packages out there, whatever. It's anything like that is, is going to be attractive to someone who is a, looking to commit that type of property crime. Mm-hmm. The trash can being on the street two days after the trash run. Mm-hmm. And believe me, the bad guys know what day the trash runs oh, yeah. in their territory because mm-hmm. they, they figure it their territory like that. They can pull up and open the mailbox and see if there's a week's worth of mail in mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It used to be delivered newspapers laying in the driveway, but you know we'd go on vacation and We'd get a neighborhood kid. Uh, this was actually when I was a kid. Dad would get a neighbor or neighborhood kid to get the papers out of the driveway. Of course, they don't throw papers in the driveway anymore, except those circulars that they're trying to sell you something. Oh, yeah. And we pick those up and they go straight into the trash can. But if those collect out there, it looks like you're away. I think also routines and patterns. Uh, it may be a little inconvenient, but don't always come the same way home every single day at the same exact time because the bad guys watch and they will know what everyone's schedule is. Well, everyone in our neighborhood's figured out our schedule. I mean, because we work different shifts and everything. I mean, it's easy to see. And if you go the same way at the same time every day, they're going to know as soon as you pull out, you're going to go down here, you're going to take a left and you're going to take a right and you won't be seen again until this time. Mm-hmm. So 
change it up a little bit, go a different way, maybe go around coming a back way or coming, you know, or do it at a different time just to change it up a little bit. And a lot of folks have one car that sits in the driveway, usually his, and hers sits in the garage. Switch it up one day, leave his, leave the vehicle sitting there and drive the one that's normally not seen. Mm -hmm. Looks like somebody's there. I'll tell you another thing you're talking about, vehicles in the driveway. In the wintertime, it's very tempting to jump out to your vehicle and get it started to warm it up. <laughs> you run back in the house to get that last Yeti cup of coffee to take. You've got your warming up vehicle out in the driveway. Well, it's like Richard said in the subdivision, you may have 10, 15, or 20 cars out there with their little mufflers going and their little motors going. Nobody's in there because you're warming it up. Well, you're going to come out, you're going, your car's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. We've taken a few reports of that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be warming up going down the warm, road with somebody up, else going in down it. the road, and, and that has happened. And your neighbors that see it, it's not going to think anything suspicious because it's about time for you to be leaving for right. work anyways. Right. So they'll right. think it's you heading on out for work. Right. Nobody, for work. And seriously, nobody saw anything. Yeah. And, and uh, that's that's another thing. It's Sure, it's tempting. And, you know, we should be able to live in such a way that we can warm up our vehicles and not expect to be... I know, hit by a bad guy, but this is the reason that we do podcasts like this. Stuff happens. Stay prepared. This is more than just a tagline for us. Stuff happens to people. We read about these things. We know about these things. And if we live long enough, we may have these things happen to us. I've been the victim of a crime several times, uh, of different types of crimes. It can happen to you. So that's speaking of to her crime, speaking of her being a victim of a crime, Let's talk about locking your doors at night in your car. Is okay, re- I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't. One time, I did not lock my vehicle, and my vehicle was broken into. It was, they didn't have to break. They just opened the door and reached in and stole some items out of my car. I didn't know anything about it because it happened overnight under cover of darkness in an apartment parking lot. I came out the next morning and found that my driver's side door was not all the way shut. And that was suspicious. And then I searched my vehicle and found that some items that I knew were in there were no longer in there. Which brings up another point. Don't leave your valuables in the vehicle. Now, what we're talking about here, and Richard mentioned it a while ago, you know, 30 or 40 houses on the same street where they have gone into vehicles at night. I know one morning, and I think you, you and I were actually working together, we had in a subdivision, we actually wound up going door to door about five o'clock in the morning, knocking on doors and saying, your door is unlocked. Would you come out and look and see if anything has been taken from your vehicle? Oh, yeah. We've, we've actually gone and had to wake people up to notify them that they've been right. crime victims. Right. That. You see the dome light still <laughs> on. Oh, well, that's another right. one. And, and I know that particular night that I'm thinking or morning, was that we found another six or eight that had been burglarized. It doesn't matter if it's locked or not. If they enter that vehicle, it's burglary of a vehicle. And they had gone in and taken items out. In one particular case, now I worked this one after I went to day shift, they got into the car, which was unlocked, and they got the garage door opener, the clicker out of the that's clipped onto the visor, and they were able to open the garage door. And the door going into the house from the garage was unlocked, and they were able to enter there. And guess what? The folks were in bed asleep. Wow. And so we had 
burglary first degree, which mm-hmm. is burglary of an occupied residence because they had left the door to the car unlocked. Yeah, that, that definitely ups the ante in the game right there. Makes it a much more dangerous situation for, for everyone involved in that. Right. We you know, t- if you were saying, you know, take your valuables out of your car, but, but for some reason, and it's not just in our area, it's... Uh, it's it's throughout the region because I I like to study crime trends and things of that nature. It's 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 the convenience of of popping the door handles to see which ones are unlocked. But one thing I've noticed is that no one or public service agencies, law enforcement agencies, they don't like to, the the appearance of bad press if if they put out a public service announcement that hey there have been a rash of burglaries in this vehicle burglaries in this area. Please remember to lock your vehicle doors. Take out you know your valuables you know that's that's just that's just a good solid reminder but these agencies like to think that that's bad press we're letting we're we're, we're trying to tell people that that we don't have a handle on this no that's just giving them a reminder that right. law enforcement can't be everywhere at one time you know the the social platform next door and mm-hmm. some facebook groups in some communities they do a good job you know two houses over they broke into their car last night. Everybody remember to lock your car. So th- those kinds of uh, social sites are good for getting that information out. But you're right. Uh, we want it to look like our city, our county, our state is so safe. And so we hate to put that kind of information out. A while ago, we, we were talking before we started the podcast about reinforcing the house. Mm-hmm. What are some things that we can do to make it harder for the bad guy to break in? Well, some things that that we like to do, and th- these are basic things that that anyone can do. If if you're still unsure of it, anybody with an internet connection can get online, and YouTube is a great tool for stuff like this. If if you're unsure, it, it, they'll, they'll show you how to do it on these videos and break mm-hmm. it down step by step. These are cheap and easy things. One of the things we like to do uh, is you know lighting. Have have some lighting out there. Don't let your house be completely dark. We always have have some sort of light on. It looks like someone may be home at any point in time, which most of the time with us being on opposite schedules, there is someone at, at home all the time. And there's usually a police car sitting and, in your driveway. Yes, yes. That's a pretty fair deterrent, but we're not suggesting that you go to work for a police department just to get a car to have it home. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we'll it, it. We're, we're playing musical cars just so we can go somewhere. So it, it does have a downside, trust me. But... You know, burglars. During my career, what I've noticed, it's a crime of opportunity. They, they seek it out. They want to be in and out as fast as they can with whatever they can grab of value. They're going to kick in a door if it's, uh, if it's locked. If it's unlocked, they're just going to walk right in. And with the way modern construction is these days, when, you, when they build these you know, cookie-cutter houses that they can build in you know, 60 days, they're installing your door frames and your, your door knobs and the kick plates and the latches that, that latch, and, and they're using screws that are, at best, three quarters of an inch long. Mm. These little cheap pot metal screws that if you don't strip it out and break it, it it's not screwing into anything other than the door the, the door trim, the facing mm. itself. And any adult, large teenager or I guess anyone's twelve year old. Twelve year old. I I haven't tried to do that lately, or see if one of our our kids can do it. But you you know you can kick one of these doors open fairly easily, and it's not the door itself or the or the lock. It's it's the facing 
that that MDF type material trim that they put on these things, it just separates and pulls apart and your whole door falls in. Mm. It takes no effort at all. Mm. One thing that 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 we do on every single exterior door of any any place where we've lived, take those little cheap screws out and replace them with deck screws, three, three and a half, four inches where you're drilling through that cheap MDF trim type material and, and you're drilling into that uh, two by four or two by six stud that the door frame is, is, is built out of. You're going through that stuff. It, and you can even pull up videos of people trying to kick doors open like this. And uh, you're, you're going to break your ankle or mm -hmm. your foot or you're going to kick a hole through the door before you break that that door facing it just it just adds some some strength and rigidity to it and it it's you know pennies absolutely i mean you can buy a pack of those things for a dollar dollar and a half at one of the big box and have enough stores. to do your house and the neighbor's house right too. and speaking of the neighbors and trying to mule kick that door in you're making enough noise that you may get the attention of one of the neighbors oh yeah yeah more more than more than a couple times and uh on a quiet night, that's going to that's going to echo. Right, especially if you're inside the house. Yes, yes. It it sounds like somebody's trying to drive a truck through the through the house. What What is y'all's thoughts on burglar alarms? Me personally, I think they're ineffective unless they're audible. Yeah, if they're if they're ones that can note if you're in the house, notify you that someone just came in the front door. Teach their own on if you feel safer with it. But these alarm companies they go through I worked in dispatch for a law enforcement agency and it would be twenty minutes from the time the alarm was activated to the time we were notified. And then we still had to dispatch a unit out there. Generally if you weren't home, it worked good to let you know that someone has broken into your home and when you get home you're gonna know it already. But you mentioned the key to it is audible. If, yes. Yes. If and we see less and less of those. If if you've got a big, you know, fifty watt loudspeaker that's you know filling the neighborhood with this with this screeching sound, yeah, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get out of dodge. But th those are the those are the old school burglar alarms. And probably ten, fifteen years ago, we, we we saw them getting away from that and going to the third party monitoring systems. There's too much time there. Too many middlemen. And this yeah. is a case where when minutes or when seconds count, the police are minutes are away. Min are minutes yeah. away, even if they are literally a minute away. Right. They could be at the at the next street, but the alarm goes off. The operator at the third-party alarm company is going to get that activation. They're going to call the house and see if someone answers and try to get key code that you set up with them to see if it's a false alarm. They're not going to get an answer. Then they're going to look up and they're going to call the law enforcement agency. In the meantime, in the meantime, the bad yes. guys in your house just ripping and roaring. Oh yeah, you know, and it's yeah. and and they they're in, they're out. Now, I mean, there is a time. I don't want to discredit. All of it. There is a time and place that it has worked, or if they have this with the new technology, the cameras or the the instant feedback, it can work. But as far as just the traditional alarms been activated, they're going to call you. They're going to send the police. Well, how many times have we seen calls come out that we've not gotten an alarm on, but says this lady sees somebody in her house on right. her telephone and we get in route and some of these guys get caught that way mm -hmm. because what we've done is we've gotten a 20 minute head start on the burglars. Right. And anytime someone asks me, that's that's the route that I tell them to go. The technology is advanced, and with the advancement of technology, the price of it drops to where you can go to any 
box retailer and buy cameras that you can watch in real time for next to nothing. Right. We we have we have doggy cams in our house where I could pull up on my phone right now and check on the babies to see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. And and I can talk to them. I can take still shots, record, you know, whatever. That's the route that I tell people to go. Some people get a sense of security with knowing that that it's it's being monitored by someone all the time. But in my professional opinion, I just haven't seen those type of alarm systems be as effective as camera systems where you get that alert on your phone that your living room camera has been activated. Let me say this, too, about the the cameras, and I think the two of you will agree with me on this. Spend a little bit more and get a decent camera. How many times we've been given video of the bad guy, and there's no way to tell. Uh, You can't tell if it's a black guy or a white guy. Yeah. Sometimes you can't tell if it's a person or if a cold front is moving in from the Midwest. You, it's not even you, you a person. Can't. But that, that, and that is one thing with the technology, though, that even, and we just bought these to try them out. I think we gave like $30 for them. Yeah. And, you know, color, black and white, it has, it has the, uh, the infrared. Mm-hmm. And it, night vision, yeah. And it's it, it it's quality stuff. If if you're gonna go the route, that is a more useful tool, I think, on the front end with alerting you and you being able to see what's actually going on. Also on the back end, when it comes to an evidentiary standpoint, hey, we have this picture of this guy who was in the house. Somebody is going to know who this is. Right. Well, actually, I just uh, a couple months ago had a case. I work in a small town. A group of juveniles tried to haul off everything that wasn't bolted down. And one person had a camera. And we knew who it was, but it, that, that there was no question about it. We saw it perfect. And... Ended up talking to them. They actually told me where most of the stolen property was, and I was actually able to recover the property. They were, you know, were able to get justice. The the juveniles were punished. I mean, without that camera, I wouldn't have been able to prove that it was them. Exactly. And and I've had this situation happen. I'm sure y'all have too. Is you get that video and you show it to the investigator who knows his people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he knows his bad guys. And he looks at that and says, oh, that's Joe Bob. Yep. Yeah, he just got out of jail last week. And so they go get Joe Bob. Mm-hmm. And there's no way Joe Bob can, when I was talking about cutting the lock off of the car, uh, the door a while ago, the investigator found out who it was. And the things that had been stolen yesterday were in the rental building. And that's why we cut the lock off was to recover. So all of this items that were stolen from that particular person were recovered. Mm -hmm. And that came about because of the cameras, not because of an alarm or, and I love this investigator, it wasn't because of good investigative work. It it was simply because of a good picture and he recognized Joe Bob. Yeah. All right, we're back to, let's get back to protecting our house how about sticker bushes under windows? I like that. <laughs> thorny I do bushes. Like that. Thorny bushes. What about shrubs that cover up the windows? Negative. No. Yeah, that 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 gives a bad guy an opportunity to slip in day or night. Don't and be practically unseen. Don't create hiding places, especially <laughs> near your entrances. You don't want a bad guy jumping out to help you get into the house. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We'll just put yes. it like that. Richard mentioned the lighting outside. You can do that with motion lights. You can put lighting inside. You can put that on 
timers. Mm -hmm. You can have it come on in the den, you know, at right before dark. So you've got a, a light on in there. And then you can have one go on in the bedroom later. Somebody's watching your house. Obviously, somebody's home because the lights have come on in different places. So that's a good idea. But that reinforcing the doors is a great idea there. And another thing that uh, now we both grew up in the country. We bro both grew up where it um, didn't matter if you had a house key or not. The house probably wasn't locked. Never was. Uh, we, screen door, just hanging wide open. <laughs> yeah, you, you just you left the door open, the screen just kept the neighbor's dogs out. That, that's right. Or uh, use a term I haven't heard in a long time, bringing it back from my grandparents, those polecats that would... Uh... <laughs> yep. Old polecats. Old polecats. You got yeah. to keep those polecats that's out of the right, house. But, but yeah, the, the houses were unlocked. Cars were unlocked. You didn't secure anything. My father still operates this way to this day. Sometimes it drives me insane doing what I do. But yeah, I don't need to lock anything up because what if somebody comes by and needs it? it, it it's 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 one of those open invitations to you know all the neighbors around. If you yeah. need something, come get it. That's right. a very trusting individual. It, it, right, right. And it was you know part of the. The, the rural areas where we grew up, it was just, it was a way of life then. It, and and that's, that was neighborly. That was neighborly. And, yeah. and that's fine for the neighbors. But the, get, <laughs> the bad guys get cars. You know, yeah. they steal yes. a car and they go out and look for places to break into. And mm. how many times we've taken reports on uh, weed eaters. Of course, burglars, they're not stealing these to work with. <laughs> they're, they're stealing them to sell. And, you know, Pawning. if somebody's offering you a nice weed eater for 20 bucks, you probably need to pass on that because yeah. it is stolen but even and i've gotten into doing this if i am working in the backyard i lock the doors that i cannot see from the backyard he does that i i can tell you i will know that he's at home working in the backyard i've come home from the grocery store i can't get in the house because he's got the front doors locked or the carport door locked or whatever and that's because he's not out there watching well, I don't want to come in the house and find, and find somebody besides visitor. you or the cats in the house. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that's very, that's, I've learned these techniques living with someone who thinks like a bad guy. Not that he is, but he's, he knows enough about their well, I've, tactics. I've associated with them for yeah. much of my life. <laughs> yeah, right. He grew up with some of them. It's like Richard said, a crime of opportunity. You don't want somebody walking in your house. You, you just, don't want you, that surprise. If, if you can just make it a little bit harder for them, that's all you have to that's do. All right. just make lazy it over the years. Yes, yeah. just, just make it a little... They, if they're going to get in, they're going to get in. If, yeah. if they want in bad enough, they'll mm -hmm. get in. But just make it harder. Most just, of them just don't want to have to work. No, at you don't. Know, it's way too much work. Right. Way too much work. And that's why we're seeing them running around now pulling door handles because it's quiet. Mm -hmm. It's easy. They don't have to do much work. Just walk house to house to house. And most of these houses in subdivisions have got at least one car parked out front. And about a third of those are unlocked. And so they don't go to the trouble of breaking into a car anymore. I mean, we used to, when I started in my career, and I'm sure you did too, you'd find shattered windows mm -hmm. where they broke the window out to get into the car. To steal a radio or or whatever. Right. And they'd mm -hmm. steal them right out of the dash. Mm -hmm. You know, but today they just, they're in and out in 30 seconds. And it's it's hard to uh, to guard against that if you don't lock your doors. So lock your car doors. 
All right, let's talk about some common sense safety tips. In the very early podcast, we talked about three things that you must have at the house, whether you're a prepper or not. That's fire extinguishers, smoke detectors, and we like the ones that have the carbon monoxide detector in it as well. But you need both smoke detector and carbon monoxide detector. And the other thing that we talked about was a NOAA weather radio that receives weather alerts to wake us up in the middle of the night to tell us to turn on the TV or here to come in here and bring up the Weather Central to watch the live weather radar and all of that good stuff. Sometimes in North Alabama, a tornado can strike in the middle of the night, and it's happened more than once. Very well. So we advocate having multiple fire extinguishers around the house. A good 5 or 10-pound fire extinguisher in the kitchen And I like having that same size in the garage if you're dealing with gasoline engines and things like that. You can get things on fire. And us guys, you know, we can get things on fire with no problem. No problem at all. But you also need a few other fire extinguishers scattered throughout the house. We keep one in our bedroom that I think is a five pound. And we both know where it is. It stays in the exact same spot. In fact, the carpet will be mashed down right there. You can see exactly where it goes. But if we get woke up in the middle of the night, that fire extinguisher is one of the things that we're coming out with to to try to do that. So, And also, let me just remind you, if you've got a, a two- or three-story or four-story home, have fire extinguishers on every level. If you're on the third floor and you're on fire, you don't need to be running down to the basement looking for your extinguisher. You need one right there. We talk about the smoke and the carbon monoxide detectors, and we see this every year uh, after a hurricane powers out, major snowstorm. We see where someone has died because they were using a grill inside the house mm-hmm. or a gas powered generator gas-powered or gas powered generator, generator. anything right. that puts out carbon monoxide now there are some indoor approved propane heaters that's one of the things that we're going to add to our um, stock of stuff uh, not only for in here for power failures and stuff but for in the garage in the winter time but they and I don't understand it completely but just read the box and make sure it says indoor safe and some of those now come with a carbon monoxide detector on them but if you're using any kind of open flame in the house be very very careful with that you need a lot of ventilation with that another thing and we've seen this before I went into law enforcement. I was a professional fire service for three years, and I figured out I stayed a lot cleaner in uh, law enforcement, (laughs) uh, dealing with the same nuts, but uh, stayed cleaner, is uh, keep a fire screen in front of your fireplace. Mm -hmm. If you build a big roaring fire, that stuff tends to pop. If a piece of hickory gets gets in there somehow, you'll You'll pop that right out into the middle of the floor. Right. (laughs) And it will set the carpet or the rug or whatever on fire. So keep that screen in front of it. Now, we're recording this during the holiday season, and there's and I noticed today that there's more candles burning in our house today than normal. They smell good. They look good. Talk about candle safety for a moment. Well, of course, you know, you've got to make sure that you've got your candles burning in such a way that they, the flame will not impact curtains, flammable paper towels, anything near that, that a large... Some of these flames can, you know, grow a little bit large and you just don't want them to touch on anything that could burn. And you don't... 
Yes, mine are unattended because they're in other rooms right now, but they're not near anything else that can catch on fire. And I will not go to sleep tonight leaving them burning. As a, If I had a fireplace, I would also not leave the fireplace burning and go to sleep because that can just that's just not a safe thing to do. So candles need to stay away from any kind of decorations, artificial trees, real trees. If it can catch on fire, don't put your candle near it. I guess it's just the easiest way for me to say that. Be very, very careful about how close they are to anything flammable. What about kids in the house? We don't have any. (laughs) Well, we have them, but they're not in the house. (laughs) But our our guests do. They've got some kids as well. So we'll let them take over talking about safety in the home with children. Yes. We'll piggybacking off candles. Uh, We don't use candles. I use the wax warmers, the flameless, that Mm -hmm. heats up the wax and the scent. We have dogs. We have kids. We have no nice furniture. We won't for a very long time. We we can't have anything nice right now. And I've I've accepted it. But with the kids, we, any chemicals, any sharp objects, stuff like that. I mean, most of our kids are getting older, so they know. It's not like having a toddler where you have to be concerned about drawers and cabinets and stuff. And they, for the most part, know, but we still have to be... um, and with Cautious. small kids, you have to worry about choking hazards. Yeah, right. which we, luckily, thankfully, that they're getting older now. We don't have to worry about every little thing. But also got to be concerned about curiosity. You know, they want to mess with things. Got the girl who wants to mix things together and make potions, quote-unquote potions. <laughs> thankfully, it's just um, shampoo and conditioners and soaps right now. But <laughs> Yeah, it's not chlorine, bleach, and Ajax. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, We're not there yet, but... I try to contain myself with my experiments with open flames to see what I can uh, make burn, not burn, and you know the aerosol cans and the, and the candles that we all played with as kids to make the little blow torches. You know, yeah, try to keep that to a minimum. And of course, with me buying law enforcement, firearm safety with kids in the house, mm-hmm. education. And we're going to come back and do a podcast uh, with the two of you on introducing your kids to firearms. When is the appropriate time? We're not going to go down that road right now. Richard and I could sit here and talk to midnight, uh, (laughs) which is uh, about three hours away. But for us to fill up three hours and not be a problem. No, not at all. We've done it many times. Oh, yes. (laughs) But we're going to come back and do one on firearms and kids and when's the appropriate time and how to do all of that. But you need those firearms where kids cannot in any way get their hands on those because, as MJ said, the curiosity. When our grandsons are coming, uh, Krista shakes this house down so much. If somebody tried to come in we just have to take the green laser and put it on their chest and let, let the cats take care of it. You know? <laughs> uh, because the guns are put up in such a way that there's no way that even our curious little boys can get to those. We're getting short on time here. So, Chris, I want you to talk just a moment about using turkey fryers. You learned some more information on those. We actually added a new turkey fryer here recently. And you found some safety concerns with those. So touch on some of that. Yes, every year somebody buys a turkey fryer for the first time and they may just not completely follow the very clear instructions that are given. There's lots of clear instructions on the boxes and the packaging, but there's also YouTube videos about what not to do. And first and foremost, you never want to put any kind of frozen bird in your turkey fryer. It's just not made for that. There's no way around that. You just don't take a rock-hard frozen 20-pound bird and throw it into a 30-quart 
full of oil. The way that you have to be safe with the amount of oil that you're putting in is before you do anything with the oil, forget the oil for just a moment. Take that bird, that chicken, that turkey, whatever you're trying to fry, and if it's a turkey, we'll just stick with turkey right now. If it's a average 12 to 15 pound turkey, you just put that turkey into your 30 quart pot and you fill it with water to just above the turkey. Water, not oil. You're just going to find a level at this point. You've got the turkey in there. You fill it with water to maybe an inch or two above covering the turkey. You leave the water in the pot and you take the turkey out of the water. Now what that does is you have now reduced the level, the top level of that water. Where you see the water now without the turkey in there, that's your level for your oil. And it's going to be a surprisingly smaller amount. Some folks have made the mistake of nearly filling their 30-quart pot with oil and then heating it for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And you put anything in there, and it's going to overflow, and it's going to hit that flame, and now you've got a real, real problem, a real problem. Some people have literally burnt their homes down because of a turkey fryer. Don't be that person. Do the water test. Water, cover the turkey, take the turkey out, find the water level, mark that level somehow in your imagination, your mind. Pour all the water out, dry everything out. Now, put your oil in to that last water level. Then heat your oil, thaw the bird completely, prepare it, fry it, fry it for the appropriate amount of time. It's about four minutes per pound, and turn so on and so on. Oh, yes, before you put the bird in, that's another thing we learned is turn that burner off, drop the bird in, get it going, then turn the burner back on. That way, if an oil were to splatter out, it won't hit an open flame. So these are just some common sense things to know. As my daddy used to say, common sense is not common. So we're trying to help you learn some common sense things with the turkey fryer and to enjoy it and uh, in, enjoy that for many seasons to come. Anything else you guys want to add? Any other safety tips that we need to throw in here? Just take what we've talked about, expand on it, learn as much as you can about, about staying safe, no matter where you are, especially at home, because that's where we should feel our safest. Educate yourself and do a top-to-bottom assessment of your property. You can expand that then to your vehicle. Then you can move away from the home. But build that foundation at home. Guys, it's been good to have you with us again. And uh, we'll certainly be having the two of you back in the not-too-distant future. And we've had a lot of fun with you guys being here. We certainly have. We do appreciate it. We thank you so kindly. Your, your perspective has been very informative. I've learned some things from both of you tonight, and I do appreciate that. That helps me a lot. I love learning new things and uh, spending time with some great folks. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to the podcast today, and please leave us a five-star review. That helps more people be able to hear this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping, email at info at practicalprepping.info, and our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.